No one in the last hundred years have not had school. So everything was out of routine. Our entire structure and systems were uh, disrupted. Our topic today is social emotional learning in a post COVID-19 classroom, creating classrooms for learning instead of surviving. Tech Talk for Teachers is brought to you by Avid.org. Avid believes people learn through collaboration and community. To learn more about Avid, visit their website at avid.org. Welcome to Tech Talk for Teachers, the podcast where teachers discuss how technology and teaching best practices can positively transform education to create equitable classrooms for future-ready learners. I'm Rena Clark. I'm Paul Beckerman. And I'm Winston Benjamin. We are educators. And we're here to share actionable teaching strategies you can implement into your classroom. Our quote for today comes from one of my favorite poets, Maya Angelou. I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. This is a great reminder that so much of life begins and ends with relationships. You know, we've talked about how learning happens at the speed of trust and trust is fundamentally founded in relationships. We could probably expand that and say learning happens at the speed of confidence, at the speed of joy, inspiration, pride, support. We could probably come up with a lot more words to add to that list too, but it really reinforces to me that a lot of learning comes down to these very human feelings that we create in our classroom. Winston, what are your thoughts on that quote from from Maya? I appreciate it so much because I don't remember any of my lessons from school. I remember the teachers, Miss Unger, Miss Smith, Miss Alejandra from my elementary school. I don't remember. I remember the class they teach, but I don't remember any specific lessons. I just know that Miss Alejandro made me feel like I mattered as a student. So I did whatever he wanted or asked me to do. So I think. With that quote, um, just looking back at my own experiences, it, it resonates with me as a student and as an educator. Yeah, we want our kids to be inspired, right? That, I mean, that's the bottom line. If we inspire them, they can do great things once they leave us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that kind of brings us to our topic of conversation today. So social mo- emotional learning. And we're talking, we're not... I guess we're not quite post-COVID-19 classrooms, but we're getting a lot closer. Um, and as many of you begin the school year, how can we think about creating classrooms for learning instead of surviving? Which some of your students may still be doing, but compared to last year, there were many, both students, staff, families that were in this survival mode rather than in the learning mode. And we talk about kind of some of the different hierarchies, like some of the basic needs need to be met in order for their learning to happen. And those aren't being met. So positive thinking, I'm going to help more of those basic needs are being met and being provided. So how can we help kind of push forward the learning? I think that's a really good question in terms of pushing forward the learning. And I think one of the most important is you're creating a space where students feel that they can make mistakes Right. And learning happens in the mistakes. So I think especially with now post COVID and 
post all of these experiences of trauma, kids are just afraid that if they do anything, it's going to fall apart. So how do we help support kids recognize that if they do try something, it won't fall apart and it's okay for them to, to try that. So I think that um, relationship and leveraging that is going to be really important in allowing kids to feel comfortable. I also wonder, though, I might push on that because I do think there's some teachers or kids that have experienced the opposite. Like, hey, by not doing this, guess what? It didn't fall apart. It was actually okay. Or, you know what? We didn't do learning this way. And actually, it turned out fine or better in some instances. So it's kind of like we've had these dual experiences happening at the same time. Uh, Absolutely. I hang on another part of of what Winston just said there. Um, and that's, we really need to be more excited about success than we are afraid of failure. It's like the desire to move forward has to be greater than the fear of not moving forward, kind of. Um, fear can't drive us. Excitement and, and ambition kind of does. And I think, of, um, I think of my creative writing class that I used to teach. That was a really hard class for the A students because those students were always trained, there's a right answer. And they were super good at school. I mean, they could memorize things with the best of them. They could ace a test. But creative writing is so different. Um, And they needed to learn that success was more ambiguous than an answer on a multiple choice test. Each student needed to learn to trust their own way to be successful in, in that class. Students needed to trust themselves and stretch their right brain, which was totally not what they were used to using. They're used to using their, their logical memorizing brain. They were not used to taking risks. They had to learn how to take risks. Um, and the struggling students had their own risks that they had to take because they were afraid of what the really good students would say about their work. So it was really building up this environment where people could feel safe and where they could learn to take risks. Cause like you said, Winston, it's the, the learning is in that learning from your mistakes and taking those risks and, and, and going ahead. And I think I, I, I it was interesting. I think some of those labels change. We talk about the really good students or the struggling students. And I, I, I'm also kind of, similar is some of the project-based learning we've done and it's like more of the students that know how to play traditional school I'm going to call it that way (laughs) so the students that understand how to I do this I do this I do this and then I get this grade it's not so much about the grade it's kind of depends on how you grade but it's not it's oh I'm actually graded on how I'm learning how I'm improving based on where I was Um, and some of those students can come alive so it's interesting to think about Mm-hmm. And I think it's something else that, Paul, you made me think about while Rena was um, speaking, is thinking about <clears throat> when, we saw, when we say learning loss, are we actually talking about the kids who are high achievers who are not, quote unquote, finding a success model? Is it really that we're worried about the low achieving kids or that this system that we had? didn't support the A students, it made them feel and go into their survival brain and they weren't uncomfortable because it was not traditional. So the question that I have is like, are we really thinking about the ranges of our kids, right? Who matters? And also the pressure that we're going to place on kids to get back to normal, right? Like to get back to normal, to not be seen that I'm struggling because all I'm doing is trying to get the right answer and not really learning and being afraid to learn, right? Are we doing that as well as harming our 
kids who are tr- struggling, right? So just try to think about both sides of the coin in terms of who is being harmed by the languages that we're using when we're talking about returning to school and returning to in-person learning. And I would love for you just to go a little bit more in depth. You brought up what survival brain is. So maybe you can talk a little bit more about survival brain and to learning brain. Yeah, that'd be great. Cause that's, that's a new concept for me. I'm not super familiar with that. Yeah. in, in many ways, survival brain could be considered uh, a lizard brain, right? It's the, it's literally the, so, so the fight or flight response to traumatic or uncomfortable situations. Right. So, um, usually when we see kids who are in the um, survival brain, they've been in situations where they've always had to adjust quickly. So they're hyper-focused on threat and fears. Um, those are kids who are really not good with ambiguity. So creating spaces where they have routine, feel comfortable, feel safe, allows them to put away that stressor and put away that that vigilance and get into the opportunity of engaging into something comfortable where they're okay with, oh, I may not have gotten this answer right, but I learned something. I won't be punished for that. So I think getting from that survival of like this time, what do I do? Who am I? And then the ways students are taught to be good or bad, then help them seeing like the learning process, right? I'm emotionally enjoying this, even though it's hard. Right. Like I'm getting something out of it. So I think that's the shift from survival to learning. And as teachers are starting up this the new year, kind of think through some of those routines, ideas, things you might be establishing at the beginning to kind of support students from shifting from survival brain to learning brain. Yeah. And there's been there's been a lot of ranges of trauma, you know, really that our kids have experienced some of them. Home is not a safe place. And now they've been learning from home for a year plus, or maybe their parents lost their jobs, or maybe they needed to care for their younger siblings while they were trying to learn. And now they've got all this going on. Um, There have been a lot of places where trauma has really impacted our kids. And some of them have lost, I mean, the lives of loved ones through the the COVID-19 pandemic. And even to to just think about even in the past, children, when they rewatch videos of Katrina, they thought it was happening again. In one year, 500,000 people died. That's a lot to even unpack as a young person. What do you do? How do you deal with that world? Right. So. Mm-hmm. I know my own one of my own kiddos would wake up in the middle of the night crying coming because they were stressed that they were going to die their grandma was going to die or if they didn't do like if they weren't wearing their mask or washing their hands enough they were the way it was phrased like i'm going to kill my grandparents just because we actually had to eliminate news and things from our home because it was causing so much i guess trauma based on what we're saying to their psyche and then even going into schools and going from like being able to be next to kids to saying you must stay six feet apart. You must have this mask on is creating, even the environment is creating stress and trauma. So even easing back into that environment and it's going to be different all over the different States. So it's just very interesting how that's played out. Everybody's going to be at a different place for sure. But I guess that question is how do we get kids past that survival brain then? And I was, I was reading a research brief from Hanover research 
it was actually called Preparing for Post-COVID-19 Student Reengagement, which is kind of what we're talking about. That sounds uh, applicable. And they mentioned they mentioned three areas really that we need to focus on. It was routines, relationships, and social and emotional learning. Those are not the, the academic components, you know, those are those are those environmental things. Um why do you think those are the, the keys, the routines, relationships, and social and emotional pieces? It goes back to that quote. You, It's like you don't remember those exact lessons. Like Winston said, I don't remember the exact lessons. It's the same for me. I can't tell you the exact thing, but I learned a lot from that class because there was a relationship and I felt safe and I felt wanted and valued. And I think about how important those feelings were. And then you can think of those classes where that wasn't the case. And I'm like, did I really learn anything from that class. I wasn't inspired. I didn't go on into that field thinking this is for me. So I, it goes kind of makes me think back to that, that quote, just how important it is to be basically a human in the environment. It's not about the academics. It's those human relationships that allow, it's kind of like, that's the door, the window, the learning. You have to have those basic needs met before you can mm-hmm. do the learning. Absolutely. Like needs and going back to the basic needs of, of routines, right? Like knowing that you're going to do X, Y, and Z in this teacher's class provides stability in a world where you didn't have school. No one in the last hundred years have not had school. So everything was out of routine. Our entire structure and systems were uh, disrupted. So I think providing youth with routine gives them something to hold on to that's beyond like, oh, today's going to change. Well, in three weeks, I know that I'm going to get the same thing out of Mr. XYZ or Mrs. XYZ's class. And I know that's okay. So I think that's that's important as well. Yeah, and you talked earlier about survival brain doesn't like ambiguity. That routine strips some of that ambiguity out. Now I know when I go to school what to expect. I know that when I walk into this classroom, this is how it's going to work. It gives you that comfort in knowing something. So then you can take academic risks on top of that. I think the relationship piece is another part of that stability. If you know you can trust those folks in that room, it's stable, just like that routine is stable and builds a foundation upon which you can build the house of education. You know, it's, it's, it's that foundational piece. And I think one, one thing I wanted to add of that you're saying is like relationship doesn't just mean be friends. It means do the right thing, right? Because as in their world, you have a child taking care of a child, maybe who is giving food or doing daycare and having an adult who makes the adult choices, will provide some stability in their world. So I think that's also an important factor in relationship is holding that line to say this is expectations or not, right? Oh, I want some routine in my life because I eat bad food when I don't have routine and I think I'm going to (laughs) be... Yeah, well, hopefully the routine is not eating bad food because for me, that can be it. I'm loading up the Instacart. I think I better get some red vines, you know? (laughs) Uh, I think let's uh, transition into talking about our toolkit. It's time to ask the question, what's in the toolkit? Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. What's in the toolkit? What, what is in the toolkit? Uh, what's in the toolkit? Check it out. 
for our toolkit today, um, we really want y'all to think about providing personal example of how we can create learning spaces so students can um, thrive instead of survive. Well, it's funny because my initial thought was actually thinking about Genius Hour, but I'll, I'll talk a little bit more, more about that. But I don't think you can do that until we kind of go back and first put into place what we just talked about, like having those routines, creating those relationships. And that's going to take time. And I believe another episode I talked about how sometimes, you know, that upfront time, what was the, what did, what did Pam tell us? It was like putting in the time up front. It's going to save you time later. Dang it, Pam. Go slow to go fast piece. See? Yes. Yeah, see, Pam, you're still here. So go slow to go <laughs> fast. Uh, I missed that. But yes, that's exactly. Thank you, Paul. So go slow to go fast. And that's exactly what we need to do in order. And then once that's done, then I can talk a little bit about genius hour. But what I appreciate about genius hour is that then all students have kind of this voice and choice around a topic they want to become an expert in. And it says genius hour. It does not have to be an hour. It could be like genius 20 minutes. And this might be a little bit easier for my elementary peeps that have a little bit more flexible schedule. Uh, I know we did this with some sixth graders and they had choice over what they wanted to learn or experience during that time. And then they had choice over how they would teach or show that to other students. Yeah, choice is empowering. That's that's super important. I'm going to focus on kind of that safety piece a little bit um, to get out of the lizard brain. Lizard brain, that was a new statement for me too. I love that. <laughs> um, but I, I'm going to go back to my creative writing class. And in there, I focus so much on environment because creative writing is an inherently really risky thing because you're putting yourself out there. You are sharing yourself in anything you write. So we really tried to focus on success and positive pieces so that it was comfortable to share. Every single day I would take the students and I would put them into small groups and they would share in small groups, but they would only then comment on the one thing that the person in their group did the best. They would only praise. And it built up this, this expectation that these small group sharings are going to be a place of praise where people are going to build me up. And we celebrate that then by coming back and each group would share with the whole class the best thing from the group. So we're always celebrating the best and it built confidence. Um, I left the critiques then to me so I could model how to do that in a, in a safe, constructive way. And then eventually kind of gradually release that into self-critique and critique with a trusted partner. But that initial sharing was always about the positive and the praising and the success. I really appreciate all of those activities as well. But one thing that I think is important is just literally uh, creating space for roles and responsibilities of students to where they can take pride in that, right? That this is my routine from my work and this is good because I did that. I think that's one thing we can do. Um, now that you've, we've all had several ideas and different um, ways of getting help and tips, one thing that we recommend is that you hit up our open access uh, Avid website and then you can download templates and you can get some other checklists and resources to support your thinking through the ideas of how to support and create positive learning spaces for students. AvidOpenAccess.org is a positive learning space. It's fantastic. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And now we're going to jump into that one I thing. One thing. It's time for that one thing. One thing.
one thing. All right, Winston, we're going to let you kick us off. What's your one thing today? Uh, my one thing for today is feeling is believing. Um, so if I feel safe and secure, I can believe that my work will matter. So um, feeling is believing. Is that like that Boston song, More Than a Feeling? More than a feeling. More than a feeling. <laughs> Similar. <laughs> I digress, <laughs> but no. <laughs> Excellent. I'm sorry. I Excellent point. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Rena, how about you? What's your one thing today? So on a similar note, I was thinking how emotions are connected to learning. So how important it is to create an environment for those positive emotions to help create them, nourish them, and also for ourselves creating those. I think my one thing is the lizard brain survival brain thing. It's just something I'd never really heard those terms before, but it makes total sense. If you're hyper-focused on threat, if you're, you know, discombobulated by ambiguity, if you need things more concrete, then we can um, do things as teachers to make that a little more secure for students and make them have an environment that, that leads to success for them. All right. We'd like to thank everybody for joining us today. We hope today's episode was not traumatic for any of you out there. Uh, we really enjoyed sharing our perspectives because we feel like it's really important to set up students for success, give them an environment where they can be successful, including routines, relationships, uh, break out of that, that lizard brain and move forward. Again, check out some resources at avidopenaccess.org. We hope you find some things there and we hope you join us next week for another conversation around education. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk for Teachers. We invite you to visit us at avidopenaccess.org, where you can discover resources to support student agency, equity, and academic tenacity to create a classroom for future-ready learners. We'll be back here next Wednesday for a fresh episode of Tech Talk for Teachers. And remember, go forth and be awesome. Thank you for all you do. You make a difference. <laughs>